Chapter Eleven of the Morgansons. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Julia Lenarden. The Morgansons by Elizabeth Stoddard. Chapter Eleven. I was going home. When we rode over the brow of the hill, within a mile of Surrey, and I saw the crescent-shaped village, and the tall chimneys of our house on its outer edge, instead of my heart leaping for joy, as I had expected, a sudden indifference filled it. I felt averse to the change from the narrow ways of Barmouth, which, for the moment, I regretted. When I entered the house, and saw Mother in her old place, her surroundings unaltered, I suffered a disappointment. I had not had the power of transferring the atmosphere of my year's misery to Surrey. My family gathered round me. I heard the wanton sound of the banging of doors. The doors at Granther's, I mused, had list nailed round their edges, but then he had the list, being a tailor. "'Oy vum,' said Temperance, with her hand on her hip, and not offering to approach me. "'Your hair is as thick as a mop.' Hepsy, rubbing her fingers against her thumb, "'remarked that she hoped learning had not taken away my appetite. "'I have an Indian bannock for you, "'and we're going to have boiled swordfish besides for supper. "'Is it best to cook more, Mrs. Morganson, now that Cassandra's come?' "'The boy, by name Charles, came to see the new arrival, "'but smitten with diffidence, crept under the table "'and examined me from his retreat. "'Don't you wish to see Arthur?' inquired Mother. "'He is getting his double teeth.' "'Oh, yes. And where's Veronica?' "'She's up garret writing geography, and told me nothing in the world must disturb her till she had finished an account of the city of Palmery,' said Temperance. "'Call her when supper is ready,' replied Mother, who asked me to come into the bedroom where Arthur was sleeping. He was a handsome child, large and fair, and as I lifted his white, lax fingers, a torrent of love swept through me, and I kissed him. "'I am afraid I make an idol of him, Cassie.' "'Are you unhappy because you love him so well, mother, "'and feel that you must make expiation?' "'Cassandra,' she spoke with haste, "'did you experience any shadow of a change "'during the revival at Barmouth?' "'No more than the baby here did.' "'I shall have faith, though, that it will be well for you, "'because you have had the blessing of so good a man as your Granther.' "'But I never heard a word of Granther's prayers.' "'Do you remember his voice?' "'A smile crept into her blue eye as she said, "'My hearing him, or not, would make no difference, "'since God could hear and answer. "'Granther does not like me. I never pleased him.' "'She looked astonished, then reflective. "'It occurred to her that she also had been no favourite of his. "'She changed the subject. "'We talked on what happened in Surrey, "'and commenced a discussion on my wardrobe "'when we were summoned to tea. "'Temperance brought Arthur to the table half asleep, "'but he roused when she drummed on his plate with a spoon. "'Hepsy was stationed by the bannock, knife in hand, to serve it. "'As we began our meal, "'Veronica came in from the kitchen with a plate of toasted crackers. "'She set the plate down, and gravely shook hands with me, "'saying she had concluded to live entirely on toast,' but supposed I would eat all sorts of food, as usual. She had grown tall. Her face was still long and narrow, but prettier, 
and her large, dark eyes had a slight cast, which gave her face an indescribable expression. Distant, indifferent, and speculative as the eyes were, a ray of fire shot into them occasionally, which made her gaze powerful and concentrated. I was within a month of sixteen, and Veronica was in her thirteenth year, but she looked as old as I did. She carefully prepared her toast with milk and butter, and ate it in silence. The plenty around me, the ease and independence, gave me a delightful sense of comfort. The dishes were odd, some of china, some of delf, and were continually moved out of their places, for we helped ourselves, although Temperance stayed in the room, ostensibly as a waiter. She was too much engaged in conversation to fulfil her duties that way. I looked round the room. Nothing had been added to it, except red damask curtains, which were out of keeping with the old chintz covers. It was a delightful room, however. The blue sea glimmered between the curtains, and turning my eyes toward it, my heart gave the leap which I looked for. I grew blithe as I saw it winking under the rays of the afternoon sun, and clapping my hands, said I was glad to get home. We left Veronica at the table, and Mother resumed her conversation with me in a corner of the room. Presently Temperance came in with Charles, bringing fresh plates. As soon as they began their supper, Veronica asked Temperance how the fish tasted. "'Is it salt?' "'Middling. How is the bannock?' "'Excellent. I will say it for Hepsy, that she hasn't her beat as a cook. Been at it long enough,' she added, in expiation of her praise. "'Temperance, is that pound-cake or sponge?' "'Pound.' "'Charles can't eat it,' Verry said with a sigh. "'A mighty piece he'll have, the glutton. "'But he has not been here long. "'They are all so when they first come.' "'She then gave him a large slice of the cake. "'Veronica, contrary to her wont, "'huddled herself on the couch. "'Arthur played round the chair of Mother, "'who looked happy and forgetful. "'After Temperance had rearranged the table "'for Father's supper, we were quiet.' I meditated how I could best amuse myself, where I should go and what I should do, when Veronica, whom I had forgotten, interrupted my thoughts. "'Mother,' she said, "'eating toast does not make me better tempered. I feel evil still. You know,' turning to me, "'that my temper is worse than ever. It is like a tiger's.' "'Oh, very,' said Mother, "'not quite so bad. You are too hard upon yourself.' "'Mother, you said so to Hepsy when I tore her turban from her head. "'It was so ugly. "'Can you forget you said such a thing?' "'Very. You drive me wild. "'Must I say I was wrong? "'Say so to my own child?' "'Very turned her face to the wall and said no more. "'But she had started a less pleasant train of thought. "'It was changed again by temperance coming with lights. "'Though the tall brass lamps glittered like gold,' Their circle of light was small. The corners of the room were obscure. Mr. Park, entering, retreated into one, and Mother was obliged to forego the pleasure of undressing Arthur, so she sent him off with Temperance and Charles, whose duty it was to rock the cradle as long as his babyship required. Soon after, Father came, and Hepsy brought in his hot supper. While he was eating it, Grandfather John Morganson bustled in. As he shook hands with me, I saw that his hair had whitened. He held a tasseled cane between his knees and thumped the floor whenever he asked a question. 
Mr. Park buzzed about last Sunday's discourse, and Mother listened with a vague, respectful attention. Her hand was pressed against her breast, as if she were repressing an inward voice which claimed her attention. Leaning her head against her chair, she had quite pushed out her comb. Her hair dropped on her shoulder and looked like a brown, coiled serpent. Veronica, who had been silently observing her, rose from the sofa, picked up the comb, and fastened her hair without speaking. As she passed, she gave me a dark look. "'Eh, very,' said Father. "'Are you there? Were you glad to see Cassie home again?' "'Should I be glad?' "'What can she do?' "'Grandfather pursed up his mouth "'and turned towards Mother as if he would like to say, "'You understand bringing up children, don't you?' "'She comprehended him, "'and giving her head a slight toss, "'told Verry to go and play on the piano. "'I was going,' she answered pettishly, "'and darted out a moment after we heard her. "'Grandfather went, "'and presently Mr. Park got up in a lingering way "'and said that Verry must learn to play for the Lord.' and bade us good-night. But he came back again to ask me if I would join Dr. Snell's Bible class. It would meet the next evening. The boys and girls of my own age went. I promised him to go, wondering whether I should meet an ancient beau, Joe Bacon. Mother retired. Very still played. "'Her talent is wonderful,' said Father, taking the cigar from his mouth. "'By the way, you must take lessons in Milford.' "'I wish you would learn to sing.' "'I acquiesced, but I had no wish to learn to play. "'I could never perform mechanically what I heard now from Verry. "'When she ceased, I woke from a dream. "'Chaotic, but not tumultuous. "'Beautiful, but not inharmonious. "'Though the fire had gone out, the lamps winked brightly, "'and Father, moving his cigar to the other side of his mouth, "'changed his regards from one lamp to the other.' and said he thought I was going to be an attractive girl. He asked me if I would take pains to make myself an accomplished one also. I must, of course, be left to myself in many things, but he hoped that I would confide in him, if I did not ask his advice. A very strong relation of reserve generally existed between parent and child, instead of a confidential one, and the child was apt to discover that reserve, on the part of the parent, was not superiority, but cowardice or indifference. "'Let it not be so with us,' was his conclusion. He threw away the stump of his cigar, and went to fasten the hall door. I took one of the brass lamps, proposing to go to bed. As I passed through the upper entry, Veronica opened her door. She was undressed, and had a little book in her hand, which she shook at me, saying, "'This is the day of the month put down on which you came home, and now mind,' then shut the door." I pondered over what father had said. He had perceived something in me which I was not aware of. I resolved to think seriously over it. In the morning I found that I had not thought of it at all. End of chapter 11